Welcome to Season 3 of Busting Addiction and Its Myths, sponsored by Safe House Rehab Thailand, where we offer a modern approach to recovery, breaking with tradition by introducing new technologies that help disrupt the cycle of addiction. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com and click on the video, or contact us at info at safehouserehab.com and we'll tell you about our $1,000 airfare allowance and referral rewards program. My name is Bruno J, and here's why I created this podcast. Our research has shown that despite the opioid epidemic and the worldwide panic over the ravages of addiction, we didn't see that treatment centers were doing anything different to break the cycle more effectively and improve the odds of long-term success. So we have set out to do things differently and to let all those who love an addict or alcoholic know more about the advances in treatment that we represent. Here's what we're doing differently. We have designed our diagnostics and detox to isolate and treat opioid and multi-addiction, example, alcohol plus opioids plus speed, more effectively, given that these are the new challenges of addiction in the 21st century. We integrate leading-edge technology into the recovering process, thereby disrupting the disorder, speeding the recovery of brain health. Clients come to treatment with damaged brains. This is a given. We pay attention to the importance of dopamine and other ingredients vital to brain health recovery. Traditional rehabs don't provide anywhere near the tools and close guidance that clients truly need to help keep them clean and sober for life. We do it right. First, we advise our clients to go into our sober living facility to serve as a transition to normal life, and we absolutely outperform traditional rehabs when it comes to providing a structure for long-term recovery. So if you love an addict or alcoholic, and you feel like your loved one is sucking the oxygen out of your life, is stealing your money, stealing your peace of mind and your sanity, this podcast is for you. If you're feeling rage and shame and, and he or she is living rent-free in your head 24-7, this podcast is for you. I hope to have you gain a better understanding of the nature of addictive disorder and the invisible effect it has on your psyche. It's my fervent hope you also gain a little more compassion for your loved one and for yourself in spite of this cunning, baffling, and powerful disease. To paraphrase an author in this space, we struggle because we love. Bruno J. here again, and welcome back to our podcast, Busting Addiction and Its Myths, which now has a nice audience of almost 2,000 listeners, so we must be doing something right. This is now Season 3, and this makes it Episode 7, which we shall call A Trip into Outer Space. So let's start this essay with a simple and not-so-obvious truth. If you want to change things, the first place to look is inside yourself. It is said that we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. So it therefore stands to reason that in order to change things, we are the ones that need to change. And what needs to change is how we think. There's a little story that illustrates the main point I wish to make today. A father and his young son, the boy is eight years old, are in dad's woodworking shop, and to give the boy something to do for a while, the father gives the boy a fairly complicated puzzle that consists of a map of the world. The boy comes back just a little while later with the puzzle all solved perfectly, and he astounds the father. How'd you do that so fast, my boy, the father asks. The boy answers, well, dad, there was a picture of a man on the other side, and when I put the man back together, the world fell into place. He's a wise young man. 
So what things do we want to change exactly? How about this? We want our addict loved one to stop using and get straight and live a normal, happy life, right? What if I told you that will never ever happen as a result of any efforts on your part? And why is that? So let's start here. A family member or a loved one of an addict or alcoholic will at some point, we hope, reach out for help because life has become unbearable at home. Let's say she ends up with a qualified alcohol or drug addiction counselor, also known as an AODA. Some family members will consult with a psychiatrist or even their own primary care physician in the mistaken belief that the good doctor or psychiatrist has any degree of knowledge about addictive disorder when the truth is this. The odds are better than 50% that the clinicians from whom they seek help have little clue as to the nature of addiction. Most will approach symptoms of addiction, if they identify them all, as the result of a causal factor, rather than treating addiction as a primary disease in its own right. That is the error that will have the doctors and the family looking in the wrong place. So instead of treating addiction, they will treat what they believe to be the cause of it. Stress, abuse, depression, anxiety, and so on. It's an easy mistake to make if you're not versed in the disorder. It sounds so believable. We want to believe it because you treat the cause and you can cure the disease and stop the destructive behavior. We also want to believe it because there is still the stigma and the shame that comes with having someone in the family being labeled as an addict. An addict in our family? God forbid. It sounds and looks much better if our boy were suffering from stress-induced anxiety disorder or from clinical depression, which may actually be there but run concurrent with addictive disorder but not be the cause of it, which requires a psychiatrist's attention. The other factor in the diagnosis and treatment of addiction and alcoholism is the fact that active abusers of drugs and alcohol are so slick in their ability to evade the truth about what they are doing what they are thinking, and how they really feel about others and about themselves. This is what happens, and this is what to look for. They will minimize the amount of alcohol they drink. They will lie about what drugs they abuse and how much they use. They will not reveal that they are afraid of what people think of them and that they desperately want to be accepted. And they will not disclose the self-hate that accompanies them on the journey to the hell of their own making. They will wear the mask of normalcy as long as they possibly can until it's cast away when the effort becomes pointless. What the mom in this example thinks is that she can unlock the secret as to why her boy has become an addict and how to make him stop or at least moderate his behavior. These are absurd ideas all the way around, sorry to say. First, and here's why. First, even the best scientists do not have the causal factors identified and will freely admit that the best they can do is to identify a propensity toward addiction and alcoholism, such as genetics, family factors, such as abuse and addiction among the adults in the home, social factors such as friends, availability of street drugs, and so on. Second, getting your boy to stop drinking and or abusing drugs is a mighty undertaking. Hmm. It is impossible if the willingness is not there for the addict. It is a truism that the addict needs to hit his own bottom before he will accept help. This concept is a tricky one, since there are interventions out there that will bring the bottom up, so to speak. We can talk about those later. The other factor to consider is that the active addict's primary mission in life is to get high and stay high, ideally without paying any price at all. I've mentioned this before. The addict doesn't see his drug abuse 
as the problem. Never mind, never mind the evidence. He sees mom as the problem because she stands in the way of his drugs and his drinking. <laughs> He's also as slick as they come. An example is the addict's attack and defend strategy. Let's say that mom confronts her son about those late nights or the nights he doesn't make it home until noon the next day, and mom has been worried sick. He'll immediately counterattack by saying something like, well, if you hadn't been such a bitch about everything, I'd have stayed home. See what's happening? Mom then goes into her defensive mode, wrongly believing that she owes this kid an explanation. Now, as she defends her bad behavior, the kid can make his getaway. He's off the hook, at least for now, which means he is no longer being held accountable, at least for the moment. And that's all that matters to him anyway. He's engineered, quite intuitively, a brilliant and devious deflection. Now he can go right back to pursuing his mission, to get high and to stay high. The vast majority of people who end up in counseling or in an Al-Anon meeting come in believing the myth that they are there for the addict, to help the addict when they are really there because of the addict. They have yet to understand that there is a reason why addiction is called a family disease. They are simply shocked to discover that there isn't one chance in a million that they can ultimately do anything at all to force an addict or alcoholic to change his ways. There is, however, the genuine prospect of an intervention, but I caution that it takes either a professional and or a well-trained team to pull it off. For great advice about this possibility, read the book by Jeff and Deborah Jay called Love First, A Family's Guide to Intervention. They give us a guided tour through the convoluted mind of the addict, revealing things that the addict does to avoid, deny, sabotage, extricate, minimize, and escape responsibility for his actions. But it turns out that love is the one thing that the addict typically cannot deny, hence the name of the book, Love First. It is almost impossible for an addict to deny that his family loves him. It's one of the very few things that he cannot deny. He can deny he has a problem. He can deny that his life is a shipwreck. He, can deny, he, can, he will deny that he is stealing his family's oxygen and sanity. The one thing he cannot deny is that there are a handful of people on this earth who truly love him. He cannot yet conceive of the idea that he will learn to love himself because he is already filled with self-hatred and shame. Now we come to a critical point in the evolution of the family member seeking help for the addict's problem. I've seen it happen myself. As a grateful member of Al-Anon, I've seen the look of disappointment on the face of a lovely and well-meaning new member when the light goes on and she says, Oh, so you mean to tell me there's nothing I can do about his drinking and using? The answer's on the little signs in virtually all Al-Anon meeting rooms everywhere. Didn't cause it, can't control it, and can't cure it. This comes as quite a shock, and you would think the shock value alone, if the truth is recognized for what it is, would bring a light into the darkened room and keep it on, but the myth that a family member can do anything at all about their loved ones using dies very hard. If she doesn't get the help she needs, the room will grow, the room will grow very dark indeed. There's plenty of denial to go around, not just by the addict. The family has its own shame to deal with not yet understanding that there is no shame in having a disorder and trying to cope with it in a constructive way. So, bottom line, what have we learned today? Number one, families new to addiction carry the illusion that the problem is with their addict and do not yet know that they too are as sick as the addict himself. Number two, they believe that they have some control over their addict's behavior and are shocked to discover that they have zero chance of affecting the addict's drinking and using over the long term. Number three, 
Addicts and alcoholics get away with murder because they put the blame on the unwitting family member who accepts responsibility for a sick situation caused by the presence of the disease. She wrongly thinks that she has some control over her outer space. And number four, she needs to smash the illusion of controlling factors outside herself in order to start healing. Thank you for tuning in today. It's my fervent hope we've given you new insight and new hope that will lighten your burden. For our hearts go out to all who suffer the effects of addictive disorder. Please give us your feedback at info at safehouserehab.com. By all means, ask us any question you like, and we'll answer on air if you will. And if you want to leave us your first name and city, we'll recognize you too, of course. This podcast is sponsored by safehouserehab.com where we take a modern approach to recovery, something all families of those who suffer deserve. Tune in next week for more.